Bona. I'm Dr. Linda James Myers. I am the author of Understanding an Afrocentric Worldview, Introduction to an Optimal Psychology. And I'm so pleased to be here with you to read this text to you. You know, so many years ago, my beloved Dr. John Henry Clark told me I really needed to do an audio rendition of this book so people could listen to me read it. And I've been feeling so bad for so long that that wasn't done. So I am so excited today to share with you a reading of Understanding an Afrocentric Worldview, Introduction to an Optimal Psychology. I'm going to be reading the text from beginning to end, but I want you to make sure as you listen, that you have a sense of the social context from which this book emerged some 35 years ago, it's still relevant today. And out of it emerges a theory of optimal psychology, as well as a psychoeducational, psychotherapeutic approach that is so necessary for the healing of our people and humanity in general. Starting with the preface, then, I'm going to begin reading and talk about what you'll find, actually be sharing what you'll find in the book. The preface begins, I feel within myself a soul as immersed as the world, I'm sorry, as immense as the world, a master being forced to adopt the humility of a slave. I feel within myself a soul as immense as the world, a master being forced to adopt the humility of a slave. This is a quotation from Franz Fanon, who talked about the struggles of being a Black person in a white supremacist uh, global community. In the pages that follow, we shall journey through the process that articulates something of the worldview and circumstances from which this statement of noted Black psychiatrist Franz Fanon could be made. In Understanding an Afrocentric Worldview, Introduction to an Optimal Psychology, our intent is to foster understanding and dialogue around which greater awareness and self-knowledge can be attained for the well-being of us all and the planet. Designed to compare and contrast the predominant worldview from which we in the United States are socialized with an Afrocentric alternative, an optimal conceptual system will be identified and defined for use as the basis of developing and articulating the optimal psychology based on experiential knowledge of reality, on a positive belief derived at in part through the use of reason and on the teachings of ancient Africans, we know that everlasting peace and happiness are achievable. The purpose of this text is to provide a synthesis of thought and opportunity for maximizing positivity of experience and unifying opposites so that we may make more informed conscious decisions 
about the construction of our reality. Part one of this book will briefly outline the resurgence of an Afrocentric worldview and detail a model of optimal psychology. Part two will focus on why an Afrocentric psychology is so desperately needed in modern times and on answers, on the answers it can provide. Part three will examine the method and functioning of an optimal psychology, which does not remove free will choices about our current assumptions. Rather, optimal psychology may best be understood when described in the context of the suboptimal, allowing choices to be made more consciously. Anyone interested in empowerment and in more fully understanding him or herself will find this book of value as a basis for examining their inner selves and their worldviews, conceptual systems, students of comparative studies, Black, African, African-American studies, women's studies, ethics, psychology, and all of the social and physical sciences, and the humanities will also benefit. Those seeking positions of management or leadership and those occupying such positions owe it to themselves and the rest of us to become knowledgeable of this subject matter. This book is dedicated to the future of our past and to the future of our future. Special acknowledgement is given to the ancestors, to my family of origin, my family of creation and extension, to Ikena, Ta, my sons who have so beautifully prompted my growth and to those special students who have understood and joined me in the ascension of human consciousness to all, namaste. I have the honor to be your most humble servant. Peace be unto you. In the first chapter, we start with the evolution and expansion of psychology. And so we begin with the introduction to an idea. I want to share with you the way through which I have come to see the world. The perspective requires that I address you personally because of two basic tenets. One, self-knowledge is the basis of all knowledge, otherwise known as epistemology. And two, Human and spiritual networks, intuology, provide the process through which we will achieve our goals. All of the things we do, we create or construct concepts, rituals, discourse, enjoyment, and so on. The transformative process of self-creation occurs as we revision ourselves, grow, and understand the multidimensionality of being, knowing, and experiencing. This text is designed for your participation in a self-discovery process of research, self-affirmation, through which a new way of seeing that will result in greater clarity. The process through which we shall go may prove difficult, for it requires change, movement of our cognitions or thinking from one system of conceiving to another. If at some point you are 
not consciously aware of two mutually exclusive, antithetical, self-consistent conceptual systems, then perhaps you will have mistakenly interpreted one conceptual system from the perspective or assumptions of another. A conceptual system is the structure of philosophical assumptions and principles on which a way of viewing the world is based. Of the conceptual systems we shall examine, one is fragmented and assumes that the transphysical and physical or spiritual and material are separate. The other is holistic, assuming the unity of spirit and matter, their oneness. In the United States of America, most of us have been socialized into the former conceptual system and consequent way of viewing the world, while the latter is characteristic of an Afrocentric worldview. In order to understand the human consequences of each, we shall examine the predominant American and traditional African worldviews, examine them in terms of their conceptual systems, and articulate a psychology that evolves from the process. This work represents the outcome of a desire to know and understand, of having known and understood. It is part of an ongoing process within an infinity of knowledge that is reflected in both an individual's and a people's experience. It explains a history of love, of hope, courage, and strength, of transforming and transcending. A product of the same spirit that prompted Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to say, I have been to the mountaintop. This work is designed to assist you on your way to the mountaintop so that together we may see the other side, for it is an offering of peace to my people. Who are my people? Going back far enough into our ancestries, into their ancestries, back to the beginnings of human culture and civilization. My people of African descent are all people. Perhaps many not wanting to acknowledge themselves as African descendants will exclude themselves because to them the idea of segmenting their histories seem natural and sensible. According to their way of doing the world, the idea of identifying with the origins of humankind is unreasonable and far-fetched. In the West, this segmented worldview predominates and predisposes adherents to internalize at one level, level or another a belief that anything African is inferior. On the other hand, there are those who will at last identify with and embrace that missing part needed to make their knowledge of themselves more complete. The worldview we shall seek to understand requires that we be holistic, utilizing the full breadth, height, and depth of knowledge available to us. I describe it as Afrocentric because it originated in Africa, was evident among ancient Aztec and Mayan cultures, and now exists throughout the world, particularly among peoples of color, including contemporary Native cult American cultures. The psychology we shall extrapolate from this worldview is described as optimal 
because it is structured to yield maximally positive experience in a holistic way. The question arises, can I be so arrogant as to suggest that I have identified a way of being in the world that can yield a psychology that is the most satisfactory or favorable in degree that is optimal? No, without giving the specific content and rationale, I cannot. So an objective of this work is to provide a cultural, historical, and personal frame of reference that in defining the optimal considers the whole and utilizes it as the basis of reason. The intellectual imperialism of Western patriarchy has proven to be viciously intolerant of any perspective that breaks the bonds of its conceptual incarceration. In the Aquarian age, the time has come to articulate an alternative reality for the well being of us all because the dynamic tension within the current predominant worldview accommodates self and social destruction. For those who would value everlasting peace and happiness, there is a way more optimal than others of viewing the world. While this knowledge is as old as humankind itself, in the West, its study and pursuit are not common, not a conscious common process. In fact, in the West, it is commonly believed that the achievement of everlasting peace and happiness would be a human improbability, if not impossibility, and most certainly a subject unsuitable for scientific investigation. In the West, the subject is most often considered to be beyond the purview of science. Plagued with conceptual and methodological difficulties surrounding issues as basic as what is happiness? Is it relative? Is it arbitrary? At the same time, other cultures have viewed peace as not only possible, but natural and able to be achieved. All worldviews are accessible through an individual's consciousness. So through examination of our current worldview, in contrast to optimal psychology, this book will assist you in rediscovering your full consciousness and introduce you to a way of understanding human behavior. The optimal frame of reference we shall use is the basis for increasing self-knowledge and will deepen your understanding of others and the universe. So welcome, I'm so excited that we are going to have this conversation with Dr. Julius Garvey. I am Dr. Linda James Myers, author of Understanding an Afrocentric Worldview, Introduction to an Optimal Psychology. And we're here today to talk about that text which I have been reading. And Dr. Garvey, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so excited to have you here for carrying on this wonderful discussion. Well, it, it's been a, a pleasure for me to be here because, um, you know, your, your book is, is a favorite of mine, which I read, I don't know, 25 years ago or something <laughs> like that, and, um, you know, digested it. And, and it's been, you know, uh, a guiding star, shall we say, in terms of... Um, psychology and, and, and how one looks at, at the mind. So, you know, I'm, I'm very, very uh, interested in going over this with you 
um, to dig a little bit deeper, shall we say, and, and, and unfold, you know, what you're saying at that time, and if in some sense, updating it, uh, and uh, if I can add or, or comment, you know, um, um, that would be a, a plus from my perspective, because I'm sure it will be a learning experience for me, as well as for, um, you know, your uh, audience. Yes, so, yes. Um, um, uh, one of the first things, of course, is your quotation from Franz Fanon. And, you know, Franz Fanon was, was a famous um, a Caribbean, I think, Martinican uh, psychologist who was involved in the Algerian war back in the 50s. And he was looking at that whole business of, you know, how does one deal with the, the colonial masters, shall we say, in, in terms of a post-colonial mindset and, and, and how do we face each other, the, the colonizer and the previously colonized in a post-revolutionary um, situation. And, and of course, being a, a, a psychiatrist, he understood that, you know, really um, it, it was a mindset um, that had to be changed in order to be able to approach each other. And, you know, I, I can't um, uh, quote it, but um, basically, as he was saying, he felt constricted, you know, um, by the conceptual system that had been promoted by, by the colonizer. In that case, of course, France, both in terms of his own, own country, uh, Martinique, as well as um, Algeria. And of course, the response from the colonizer in terms of the Algerians wanting the freedom was horrendous in terms of um, its destructive capacity, you know, and, um, and of course now we can talk about the civilian casualties that at, at that time um, the, the, the French uh, created. I mean, they, they were quite vicious, the Gaulle, etc. They were quite vicious in their colonial war. And, you know, as, as he said, I mean, he, he had, how should I put it, a persona, a sense of himself, that was expansive and whole. And there was this colonial, you know, if you will, conceptual system confining him in, uh, into a situation where he would be nothing better than a slave. And, uh, you know, interestingly, it reminded me also of, of my father's statement in 1937 that we must liberate our minds from mental slavery, Absolutely. because you know, while others can free the mind, the, the body, none but ourselves can free the mind. And then you, you go deeper also into that whole uh, uh, concept of Carter G. Woodson back in 1933. <laughs> you know, so here we are in, in the 30s. You know, the miseducation of the Negro, and and his statement that um, if the Negro has the same educational system as those who have enslaved them and Jim Crowed him, then um, the, 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 the oppressor, you know, um, has no problem in, in oppressing him <laughs> and, and telling him what to do in terms of his activity. And, and the oppressor won't even have to tell him because, because his mind has been captured, he'll automatically, as he said, find his right place. You know, he'll go to the back door and if there's no back door, he'll make a back door. So, you know, um, the, 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 this is the, the, the situation that we're in, 
Absolutely. So, so how do we get out of it? <laughs> well, you know, that's absolutely why I chose this particular quote from Fanon, because he is saying, I feel in myself mm-hmm. a soul as immense as the world, a master being forced to adopt the humility of a slave. Mm-hmm. And that was true then and before, and it's still mm-hmm. true now. But I think what optimal psychology does is it suggests to us, hmm, I do have that soul as immense as the world, but it's not a master that's forcing me to adopt the humility of a slave. It's a captor. We must stop referring to our slave captors as masters. They are absolutely not. And so part of the shift in consciousness that I think uh, Fanon was reaching for, he, um, he was at an earlier time and didn't quite make that shift because of the social context of, in part, maybe French colonization versus British. He, you know, the French do it well. So <laughs> you're not human, you're not cultured even today if you go to France and don't speak French, they're kind of looking down their nose. But that consciousness of being less than is so alive and well today, Julius. We have so many black people who have internalized oppression and really suffer from what psychologists call racial trauma or racial stress because they haven't yet shifted from feeling bad about being the victimized mm-hmm. and began to point a finger at the victimizer who's the real problem. So mm-hmm. I thought it was um, justifiable to use this quote. And also, I love your reference to Carter G. Woodson. His prophetic teaching was just that, prophetic. Unfortunately, it's kind of like you kind of wish he wasn't so right, but in actuality, mm-hmm. he nailed it. And so that's why we need to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, and so happy to be having it with you to really help people see how we have been totally, totally brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Our minds have been controlled. We have to liberate our minds from that mental slavery, as you probably talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, it, as you say, our minds are, are incarcerated um, within um, the, the pedagogy, if you will, and, and uh, the systems, the systems of miseducation, the economic and, and the social system. Of, of the group basically you know, has enslaved us and continues to uh, 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 oppress us. And, and this has produced, uh, you can use different words, but what we, we call the, 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 the post-slavery uh, uh, traumatic syndrome or the post-slavery syndrome. And, and, and it's, it affects you know, not only the mind, but because the mind controls the body, it affects the body as well in terms of illness. So we not only have mental illnesses, you know, based on this, um, uh, um, okay, we can say miseducation, but I guess we, we need a word. I'm not sure if this is a word, mis, mis-enculturation, if you will, because we have been enculturated or indoctrinated mm-hmm. in, into the, 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 the conceptual um, our beliefs of the, the system that, that uh, oppresses us. So, so, so we have the same mindset. So we ending up oppressing ourselves and oppressing each other. Yes. And, 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 and this is like, you know, the, 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 the snake 
away the tail in its mouth, it goes round and round and round. And, 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 and you never get out of that particular circle, you know, unless you break it out. And, and again, we come back to the necessity to break out because it affects uh, our mind and then it affects our physical health. And clearly then it affects the actions uh, in terms of how we see each other, how we see ourselves, how we see each other, how we treat each other. And, and we end up with, 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 with different um, societal ills, like black on black violence, you know, like male-female violence, gender violence, etc. So, so a lot of these things that manifest within our community, uh, sociologically, are related to this oppressive system that has captured our mind. And, yeah, and then it's playing itself out individually and collectively in terms of our communities, in, in terms of this um, 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 uh, negative you know, social expressions. Uh, and, and then we end up in, incarcerated in jails or we end up with the police coming and, and shooting us down on the streets and so on. But it's like this, you know, misdemeanor. And we have this circle, you know, that we're trapped in we, when, because of the miseducation and, and because it has affected our minds negatively, we, we misbehave and then we misbehave, then the society comes down on us like a ton of bricks and we are incarcerated or killed or whatever it is. And, and we never get out of that particular trap. I mean, it's, it's um, we need a way out. Linda. Yes, and so we found a way out of the psychology <laughs> because the reality is as long as we keep buying into our miseducation and missocialization, there is no way out. The people who create, created the conceptual system, the mindset, there's no way out for them. <laughs> so if they created, to, created it to benefit themselves, it's certainly not going to benefit the people Mm -hmm. whose oppression benefits them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just am excited because when we begin to think about how do we break out of this cycle, out of this circle, um, we have to free our minds. Mm -hmm. And the way we have to free our minds is through self-knowledge. Mm -hmm. Know thyself. And the self we need to know isn't this self that has an identity and worth based on looks and income and position and education and where you live and your, the kind of car you drive. That's not who you really are. That's who the chapters of your forebearers want you to believe you are. Why? Because as long as you believe that or you think that way, they have control over you mm -hmm. because they control the economic system that is going to determine your value and your opportunity to access those things. So the system instituted during chattel enslavement was so effective, it's alive and well today. And until we begin to understand at, a, at the level of what I call cultural deep structure, how that system works, uh, we're never going to break out of that cycle. But the good news is we've discovered and we've written about, not just me, but many have written about how that system works. But from a psychological vantage point, it's most problematized because even the people we, we rely on, the psychologist, if you've been trained in mainstream Western psychology, 
then you don't really have any answers relative to liberating yourself from the stress of racism or systemic racism. And therefore, the message to you is likely, oh, learn to cope. <laughs> no, coping is going to create those problems you just mentioned, Dr. Garvey. The stress, the hypertension, the diabetes, <laughs> all of those things that tend to plague our communities because we're trying to cope in an unnatural, toxic, pathological environment that by virtue of its nature can easily wreck every aspect of our being from our physical body to our psychological, emotional, spiritual, our relationships. But the good news is we can be healed by going back to the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of our African ancestors who nailed it way, 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 way back and created a society, a culture built upon that knowledge that lasted over 6,000 years. You know, um, Linda, what, what, what to me is also very interesting is while the fact is that this oppressive system or this system is being used to oppress us, it is the only system that the oppressor knows. <laughs> so the oppressor is a victim of this oppressive system as well as us. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the people within that system don't recognize it. Mm-mm. But, um, and, and I think it, it's important, you know, for us to understand this that, and, 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 and look at what has happened within that system, uh, where it is at the present time. Um, and if, if, if you look, for example, you know, at, at, at two world wars, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the Korean War and the Vietnamese War and, uh, you know, Afghanistan and, 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 and Syria and, and, and Yemen. And, and now, of course, um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about the Ukraine, etc. cetera. Um, you know, 100 million people have been killed. You know, I, I mean, uh, let's, let's say we include, you know, the enslavement of us and, and, and the genocide of, of, of the um, Jewish and other people that were non-Aryan uh, during the Second World War. I mean, this is, you know, monstrous. And, and you also uh, look at the death of the different species of, of plants and animals and, and how we're replacing you know, with, with plants, with all kinds of genetically modified things. We're replacing our agriculture with all kinds of chemicals, which are poisoning, you know, us, poisoning the groundwater, poisoning the water we drink, poisoning the seas. I mean, there is so much negativity that has come out of that system. And of course, now it's global warming and climate change. So when we look at that system, I mean, it's damaging to us but it's damaging to everybody who adopts it. And Absolutely. Course, this is a, Euro, a Eurocentric system that has come out of Europe. And of course, you know, has committed pretty much genocide here in the North American continent, as well as places like Australia. And I shouldn't say North America, North, South, Central America, um, and Australia, New Zealand, and so on. Um, committed, you know, a genocide in, in, in many of these uh, places. So, it, it is an unhealthy system, I would say, absolutely down. And you look at the inequality within the system. You have these billionaires strutting around, 
you have these corporations with billions and billions of dollars, and yet still you have homeless people on the streets and so on and so forth. So clearly, <laughs> it is a suboptimal system for the people who, who accept it or are forced into it. And it's been around at least for 500 years, or we can go all the way back to the Greeks if we want. <laughs> but as you're saying, um, having pointed that out, we can go to the, the other system, which is more ancient than the Eurocentric or the European system, which is the Afrocentric system, which is based on our civilizations, our now valid civilizations, um, you know, Kush uh, 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 and Kemet and Nubia. Of course, Kemet was the, was the classical one, um, as well as Ethiopia. And so, so you know, um, tell us how you see that as the basis for, for, for the optimal uh, um, psychological system. Absolutely, because to the extent we've all been socialized into the worldview of our ancestors' captors, mm -hmm. and our ancestors' captors have a history uh, behaving in a very particular way, unique to them and not generalizable to the totality of human populations. We have a small, actually a minority of people having a mindset that has prompted them not only to discover things fully utilized by other people, claim them as their own, and wage war against those people who were on the lands they discovered mm -hmm. and end up creating a history that has them identified as uh, the ones who were the aggressor and the people who have actually been the aggressor become the heroes. That mindset that does this kind of mental gymnastics where I as the victimizer become the hero and you as the victimized become uh, the problem or the felon is just the norm of Western thinking. And we call that way of thinking a function of a set of assumptions about the world and the way things work that has been so pervasive. So to the extent I am cut off from my spiritual aspect of being because we know through um, traditional African cultural worldviews, as well as modern science, uh, quantum mechanics and uh, neuroscience, we know reality is essentially a spiritual phenomenon. So being, if you cut people off from that, you cut them off from that, which would then serve as a spiritual and moral anchor. So in our ancestral tradition as African people, We've always understood from the beginning, at least from the earliest writings in our history of the importance of ma'at or the embodiment of truth, of justice, of righteousness. And that became foundational, not only for how we saw ourselves and one another, but how we conducted ourselves socially. So to the extent that's been a part of our foundation, I argue that it's that mindset, which I call an optimal mindset, which accounts for our being able to not only survive uh, 250 years of chattel enslavement, caste enslavement, but also come out of it thriving and being the moral and spiritual leaders of this nation for freedom and justice for all. 
But as you think about the ways in which that fragmented mindset that is separating the spiritual aspect of being from the material aspect of being, it's always functioned in the same way. And what's sad is that when we take on that mindset, we function in that same way. Racism wasn't a function of white people upon first encountering black people, seeing them as inferior. No, they saw them as what? Eratus said, oh, these are highly developed, highly cultured people. It's only later when the determination was made that we need to kidnap and traffic these people to the Americas to build our economic worth that racism becomes um, predominant in the way we define reality and see the world. So the system, the mindset that would allow us to see other human beings as less than human, uh, that would allow us to kidnap millions of young Africans and uh, traffic them to the Americas for material um, wealth. That mindset is alive and well today. And we see it with the billionaires who are quite happy during this uh, pandemic to have quadrupled their wealth while children have not gotten the care they needed, the food they needed, the shelter they needed, much less the education. So that fragmented mindset sets us up, sets human beings up to behave badly at a level that is almost incomprehensible. And that's why it's so important we understand that mindset. I call it the suboptimal mindset, as well as the mindset of our ancestors, which is referred to as optimal. Because from an optimal mindset, we know our worth as human beings is intrinsic. I'm worthy simply because I am, because of who and what I am, as the expression of an infinite creative life force. I'm connected to the source of all good, and the source of all creation. I think that's important to um, to, to juxtapose the, the two, and um, you know, um, it is absolutely correct that the original understanding of who we are as human beings um, um, came about, obviously, from the original human beings um, <laughs> who are us as a people. You know, let's say it's two hundred thousand years ago. In, in Ethiopia, Tanzania, Uganda, that area, the Aldabai Gorge, as, as the archaeologists uh, uh, tell us. Um, and of course, the, with the first uh, civilization that came out of the Nile Valley. And, you know, it, it, it always has been that we have seen ourselves as, as a spiritual people. And um, the, uh, spiritual people in the sense that that is our essence, and, and, and we have a, a mind and, and we have a body. The mind is what connects, if you will, uh, the spirit uh, uh, to the body. And when we speak of, of, of mind uh, uh, in, in that sense, it, it is an expression of spirit. And when we speak of spirit, it, it's not just an energy, but it's a consciousness. And this is where I think the, the true difference is, or the basic difference is, between the so-called Western mindset or suboptimal, if you will, and the African-centered uh, mindset, is, is, is that we, we put consciousness as, as basic uh, to um, reality. 
In other words, um, uh, absolute reality is, is, is unconditioned consciousness, which is the, the, the basis of, of the, the universe and, and all, of, all of the things that have been uh, created over time. Now, it's also, I, I think, important to establish the fact that consciousness doesn't work on its own. Um, you know, uh, consciousness and energy are like two sides of the same coin. Um, you know, and of course, in terms of, uh, let's say, India, they speak of it as, as, as um, Shiva and Shakti, Shiva being the consciousness and Shakti being the energy. And of course, in terms of, of us as the Nile Valley uh, people who spread this understanding around, we, we speak of it from the perspective of Amun and Ra. And then we, we also include Patah. Because while a moon is the consciousness and Ra is the energy, well, you know, what, what is the energy transporting apart from pure consciousness? Well, it has to be transporting something which is information. And that is what, who and what Pata is. So, so that is the essence of, 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 um, of what created us. And that is the essence of who we are because we do believe that we were created in the, in the image of God. And of course, um, you know, we, we have that in the, in the temples, on the walls of the temples in Kemet and so on, um, where, where we see the images of, 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 of um, you know, um, divine symbols, breathing breath into, into the human. So, so we know that we're made in the divine image. So we know that our, our essence is, you know, unconditioned consciousness, uh, energy and information, which we can call wisdom, if you're able to access it with your own <laughs> awareness. So, so, so th this is this is uh, extremely fundamental. Whereas when we look at the suboptimal, it's based on matter as being primary, and everything has been reduced to matter, and and only those things which, which you can measure either by by weighing it you know, or, or, or um, determining its length or its speed, or, you know, one of those dimensions, you know, in terms of space-time. Um, uh, only that is, is being considered as reality, whereas as matter is a really small part of, of the whole, um, 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 shall we say, cosmic um, uh, presence. And, and, and they know this. I mean, most of cosmic presence is space, 99.9% of it, not matter. But yet still, we, we, we have a reductionist system, which is Eurocentric, which has gone to the extreme of reducing everything to matter. So there's no answer then. Uh, there's no spiritual answer to anything. And of course, what, what has been called spiritual has come to mean something that is outside of self. You know, yes. God is up there and, and salvation is over there in heaven, which you may get to when you die or something of that nature. It has nothing to do with everyday living. Whereas, as you know, in Kemet, it said, as above, so below, <laughs> meaning that heaven is here, it's not somewhere else. And, and you have to create that, that heaven in terms of your day-to-day -day practice. And in order to do that, you had an optimal psychology. Uh, can you tell us more about self-knowledge? Because that, that, that's our, um, our, our sticking point is that we don't know this uh, and we don't know how to access it. That's absolutely true because we don't know who and what self is. Mm -hmm. And when we begin to know self as an expression of um, 
an infinite light force. Um, almost you can trace from ancient classical African civilization to contemporary African civilizations to the Americas. The knowing of, uh, what did they say? They said, we are being becoming. Being meaning spirit, becoming meaning manifestation of spirit and um, closing with the conscious realization of our union with the divine. We're here for a purpose, which is being, spiritual being, becoming consciously in union with the divinity, which we are. So that's the knowledge of self we're pursuing, not from the Western worldview, which is fragmented. So um, self from an African center view is multidimensional. Myself isn't separate from my ancestors or those who came before, future generations, all of nature and my community. So that multidimensional self is the self that I want to gain knowledge of. And as you pointed out, Dr. Garvey, the reality in the Western mindset is myself is my individual form. And there may be a spiritual aspect to being, but it's out there. I'm down here. And even to communicate with that force, I need an intermediary. I need a pope. I need a minister. I need a pastor, somebody to allow me access to that divinity. When our answer said no, that is within you. And you know, it's interesting because even if you look at uh, Christian's sacred text, the, the first teaching of Jesus the Christ was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't say the kingdom of heaven's in the sky, he said it's at hand. Anything that's at hand is right here, right now. So what we have to learn to do is shift our consciousness to the consciousness of the people who wrote the Bible, which mm -hmm. tend to be overlooked, but they were African people and it was their thoughts that were being expressed. And their knowing wasn't knowing through counting and measuring. Their knowing was through symbolic imagery and rhythm. They understood everything is a representation or symbolic of this divine force and our connection to it and our relationship to it. And the Western mindset is, oh, everything is out there, material, and we know it by being able to count, measure, and manipulate it. And ultimately, our goal is to control and dominate it. Mm -hmm. So the Western mindset is one that suggests they have a better idea mm -hmm. than what the divine infinite energy had structured, what nature had structured. And so there's been this constant competition and the competition has landed us, as you had mentioned earlier, with holes in the ozone, depletion of the resources, the air's uh, toxic, the food is carcinogenic. Oh my goodness, what have we done? And I just want our listeners to know what we've done is we followed the wrong prescription, the wrong mindset, the wrong set of assumptions about the world, reality, and the way things work. And self-knowledge is so important because when we pursue self-knowledge, we begin to realize we create reality. Reality isn't something out there existing except for our participation in its creation. And once I begin to know that, once I begin to learn that, then I can create that which I think. 
Right now, most of us don't create that, which we think we create and replicate that which we've been told. And unfortunately, there's um, billion dollar industries out there whose job it is to tell us what we want, what's good, what's of value, what's going to make us feel good. And until we step back and withdraw and begin to see how things are really working, we're going to be again caught up in that menticide, that uh, system of controlling our thinking and our culture. But all we have to do is stop for a moment, step back, realize who we are, where we are, how we got here, and where we want to go and create that which we think. Uh, what did your father say? Coming out of that mental bondage and knowing only we can liberate ourselves. True enough. I, I, I want to follow with another one of my favorites that my father said, and, and you just touched upon it. You know, God and nature uh, first made us what we are. Yeah. And then out of our own creative genius, we make ourselves what we want to be. You know, follow always that uh, great, great law. And, um, um, you, you know, God, God, the sky and, and, and nature will be our measure. And, and um, eternity, you know, our law. Um, I, I, I mixed it up a little bit, but basically that's what he said in terms of our ability to create ourselves. And of course, you know, the motto of his organization was one God, one aim, one destiny. And what this is saying is that with one God, um, you know, our aim is to manifest that God here on, on planet Earth, which creates the heaven, which is the destiny for us to create. And of course, we, we do it with, 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 with one love. And, but it's our creative ability to do that. And of course, um, our creative ability is, is in our essence. It's not in the mindset because the mindset has been um, uh, indoctrinated, shall we say, by the, the cultural mores that, 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 that you, you have mentioned. We have been programmed. Um, and much, much of the educational system is, is one of, of learning what's in the textbooks and what has been said by other people not for us to um, develop our critical thinking and our own creativity to deal with the problems that we face so that you find that um, the, the problems are, are being repeated over and over and over again without any real solutions. Even when the problem is studied, you don't really have a solution. I mean, let, 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 let's, let's talk about the war on drugs. Well, there's been a war on drugs, but what has happened with drugs? They've just proliferated. The war on poverty. What about the war on poverty? They've not solved poverty. You know, poverty has proliferated, and there's the greatest inequality of, of wealth ever in terms of, of humankind. So the, the, the system does not have it within itself to correct itself. And I think that's what's very, very important for anyone who is uh, struggling uh, in terms of uh, looking at the system and, and, and being uncomfortable within the system and, and wondering how, how they can find a way within the system. You cannot find a way within the system because the system is based on a misunderstanding of, 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 of the extent of human nature. It's based on the physical 
characteristics of, of the human being uh, and, 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 and the sensory ability uh, to perceive. And then the, the intelligence of, of the mind to be able to assemble what one has perceived through the, the physical ability um, um, to, to, to perceive sensations. So that it's all physical and it's all superficial. And, and, and then there's the mental component that puts that together. And, you know, um, because it is a misunderstanding and an illusion, the individual always feels dissatisfied. And whatever you have based on this uh, physical perspective, you always want more because you can never be fully satisfied. And that's the basis of greed. You know, you have this desire for something, and I think, you know, Freud, Freud, Freud expressed it, and you need to deal with it uh, as a psychologist, but this is a pleasure principle. You can call it the pleasure principle, or you can call it the desire, you know, to, to be fulfilled. But you see the way to fulfillment as obtaining something that's external to you. So you're always chasing something that's external to you, to be fulfilled, to find your happiness. And, and so that you can be at peace with yourself and the world. Mm -hmm. And then you end up chasing these things. And you may be satisfied with one thing at this point in time. Let's say that you know, you're a young man, you may be satisfied with this pretty girl, but then you see another pretty girl <laughs> and, and you run over to that pretty girl. Uh, you know, or, or this pretty girl over time that you marry, she's no longer as pretty as she was. So you lose your desire or somebody takes her away and she sees somebody else. So there you are, you know, again, chasing your tail within the system that reduces everything to materialism and reduces the human being to basically a physical machine with desires and the intellect that satisfies these desires. But even in satisfaction of these desires, it is never complete because it's never holistic. And therefore, um, you can never get satisfaction within that system. Absolutely. You have to have a system that understands the human being completely. In other words, the human being is more than a human animal. The human being has the, the, the essential uh, conscious awareness of, of the source. And, and we can call the source, you know, uh, God. Uh, we can call the source like the quantum field. Um, you know, in the old days, they used to call it the, the ether or the Kashyyyk field and, and so on. But, you know, uh, we, we know what our ancestors, you know, uh, are basically, you, you know, um, call this. Uh, and it was Nu and, 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 and Nonet and, and He and Heet and Kirk and Kirket and, 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 and Amun and Amunet, you know, showing that it was this, this, this darkness that, that was infinite and eternal. Um, but 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 conscious and and, and capable of, of of everything, so it, and it was omnipresent, um, omnipotent, and omniscient, and 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 that's the the basis of who we are. We are a part of that. We're not simply the physical presence or the mindset that relates to the physical presence. You know, through the the, the brain and and the body and the sensations. And we'll never be satisfied with that. And, and, and therefore, we have to go back to our original understanding of who we are as human beings. Um, you know, how do we become true human beings? 
as opposed to being human animals. And, and I think that's the whole self-knowledge piece that, that, that you're saying and, and directing us towards. But now, um, you know, Linda, it's not easy. <laughs> oh, no, it's a, it's a developmental process. So, okay. but as long as we know that there's a way of being in the world mm -hmm. in which we've been socialized that's less than optimal because it's the birthplace of injustice, racism, sexism, classism, ageism, <laughs> all kinds of dysfunction to say nothing of- I just, just wanna say, I think Bob Marley called it ism schism. <laughs> yes, yes. So that suboptimal mindset is the one that we want to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And we wanna shift to an optimal mindset or a conceptual system, I guess is a way to talk about it as opposed to a mindset. If all is consciousness, then the system that's going to structure our consciousness is going to be a set of assumptions uh, that we hold and we may not be conscious of them, but we're holding them. And they're determining not only what we perceive, but how we think about it, how we feel about it, what we do ultimately, our experience is determined by those assumptions and principles that we hold in forming our perceptions. And what you just described, Dr. Garvey, is the assumptions and principles we hold when we're trapped into that fragmented suboptimal view that has a seeking peace and finding none has us so materially focused, we get some, we want more. We get the promotion, we're on top of the world. Somebody else gets a better promotion, we're depressed. Just up and down, up and down. That sense of self and constant flux is not healthy. And it doesn't bring peace and it doesn't bring happiness. And as you said, the more you get, the more you want. And you never get enough and you're feeling like you're on a treadmill in a rat race when in actuality, the contemporary notion of being of mindfulness says step back but our ancestors had a cultural worldview that was inherently mindful inherently positioned from a place of intuitive and instinctive awareness that they were one with the source of all good and thereby intrinsically worthy and that peace couldn't come from anything derived externally. In fact, once we have peace, then we cr create. Peace really becomes the um, key um, sensory perception that gives us access to our creativity. Because you can't really be creative if you're anxious and stressed and depressed, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or what you create will probably end up being destructive. So the idea that we have two worldviews two conceptual systems, two mindsets, one suboptimal, one optimal, one um, Western-based, European uh, Western-based, and one African-based um, is very critical for people to understand because if we don't begin to make that distinction or see those differences, 99.9% .9 of the time we'll be caught up in the fragmented suboptimal one because that's the one of socialization. And that's the one that's reinforced in the current social context. And we won't know anything about the worldview, the optimal worldview of our ancestors. You know, I think there's an old dictum that says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So the African view was first, and it will be the last view. <laughs> and it will become, again, the first view. 
the view of the West, the Euro-Western view is the newbie on the block. It's probably a snapshot or a finger snap in time relative to the worldview of our cultural ancestry. I like to think about it in terms of um, a race and we're on the track of life and we as black people are coming up on the European and it looks as though they're in control and uh, systemic racism is never gonna end. But what we must remember, we are coming up on them, but not because they're ahead of us, because we're getting ready to lap them once again. That is so critical for us to begin to see who we really are in the larger context of humanity. We are indeed the mothers and fathers of all human culture and civilization. And that being the case, and our understanding that is being reinforced by the heights of science across cultural groups, that mindset that we had in the beginning is now because we've maintained it as African people committed to a knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that does not exist in mainstream Euro-Western culture. And we understand that mindset is something that not only will be our salvation, it will be the salvation of humanity. I don't know if we have time now, but at some point we'll talk about the optimization process, the process by which we can shift from the suboptimal to the optimal. And yeah. it becomes a self, what can I say, self-fulfilling, uh, self-correcting, self-perpetuating process. But it requires that we gain clarity in terms of making the distinction between the suboptimal worldview we've been socialized into and the optimal view that is the true reality. Well, wonderful, uh, Linda. It's been my pleasure to be to have been involved in this discussion with you, and um, we are. I think we have tried to clarify that there are two different views uh, um, of of life, if you will, over time. Um, um, the, the older one is, is the Afrocentric view. The newer one is the Eurocentric uh, view, and we have delineated to some extent the differences. And our, our next um, um, go around uh, will be looking deeper into the Afrocentric view. And, and I look forward to that. It's been a pleasure engaging in this discussion with you um, um, and, and learning uh, uh, so much. Uh, and hopefully uh, those who have been listening will have had some degree of clarity. Thank you. Absolutely true. And we wish for them the best. We can't leave this uh, circumstance without Again, acknowledging our ancestors and giving honor to those through whom we've come to have, who have given us this opportunity. And so hopefully, not hopefully, when we meet once again, we will again pursue the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that we've been sent here to impart. Thank you so much, Dr. Gart. Again, my pleasure, Linda.